Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you for joining us today. This is season two, episode number six of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. This is going to be a verse-by-verse edition with none other than Rick Maynard. So let's welcome Rick Maynard back. Rick, how you doing, buddy? I'm good today. Good to have you back. We're on season two episode two of the verse by verse edition we're just kind of continuing to go through the word but that's what this is all about just diving in the word right diving into the word all right so let's do it we have been in first kings but specifically rick we're in first kings five five all right let's dive in okay so as usual we're starting in the middle of a story that's what happens when you're verse by verse and you just stop when you run out of time so uh we're we're in this story of uh, solomon getting ready to build a temple So in verse 5, it says, I intend, therefore, to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord told my father David, when he said, Your son, whom I will put on the throne in your place, will build the temple uh, for my name. And I want to read in Chronicles, and I always tell people, if you're you're really studying, you can – you know, go to Chronicles because part of that is the same story with maybe some additional things. But uh, I don't have my glasses, so bear with me here this morning. But I want to try to <laughs> I want to try to read just a little of this because this was kind of in addition to uh, what he was saying and and the plans for the temple. It says, "Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when you sent him cedar to build a palace to live in." Now I am about to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God and to dedicate it to him for burning fragrant incense before him, for setting out the consecrated bread regularly and for making burnt offerings every morning and evening and on Sabbaths and on new moons and at the appointed feast of the Lord our God. This is a lasting ordinance for Israel. The temple I'm going to build will be great because our God is great or is greater than all other gods. But who is able to build a temple for him since the heavens even the highest heavens cannot contain him. Who then am I to build a temple for him, except as a place to burn sacrifices for him? Send me, therefore, a man skilled to work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, and in purple, crimson, and blue yarn, and experienced in the art of engraving to work in, in Judah and Jerusalem with my skilled craftsmen, whom my father David uh, provided and it goes on to talk about the cedar logs and different things so we won't you know get into all those details but i think it's just uh, i think that's part of solomon's story here is the the humility you know he said who am i to build this mm. temple and you know a lot of people don't have that kind of attitude they think they're um they deserve it you yeah. know i mean i was the son of the king and uh he didn't get to do it but i'm doing it and you know you can have I would think you could really struggle with pride if you were Solomon, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, as good as David was, he didn't get to do it. Now I get to do it. Yeah. But, and it's like, and then, you know, we're doing this for the name of the Lord, but it's like, he's not contained there. You know, right. who can build a place yeah. for God? And we talk about the difference between Old Testament and New Testament, but even today, there's still, uh, when you talk about building projects in the church, mm-hmm. there can be a little bit of arrogance or such pride, almost worship right. in the building, even today, even though we're post-resurrection now, people mm-hmm. take so much pride in that building as if it was God. Oh, I know. And, I, and because of the way I was raised, I've talked about this a lot. You know, I was raised where, you know, this is the house of God. Right. You know, yeah. this is the uh, <laughs> sanctuary. You know, I mean, it was... And I, you know, and I believe in having respect for any building. I mean, for this is not the sanctuary sitting here in your office and studio, but you know, there's respect for this. You don't come in here and mistreat it. 
Uh, I don't think you mistreat the church building or whatever, but you know, when it goes all the way back to it, church buildings are man-made. Right. I mean, that was <laughs> never, there was never any design from God for building a church. Yeah. So, you know, people, when their homes got too full to contain the people that were coming, they had to have a building of some yep. kind. I mean, so, uh, so you know, I understand the respect and the honor and all of that in the Old Testament for the temple and that that's where the presence of God. But I mentioned it the other day in, in my class. You know, it doesn't matter if you're uh, Joel Olstein in what they call the sanctuary, which was a, a stadium, you know, or a basketball mm-hmm. arena. Formerly the Houston Rockets. Right. So, uh, you know, that's not really a, quote, sanctuary. It was something else, you know, where the beer flowed uh, free. Yeah. And, uh, Although that would be pretty cool, being like, I'm worshiping right now where Hakeem Olajuwon right. hit that fade away. You know, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they should have left the goals there so people right. could reminisce <laughs> about that. But, but you know, God is, I mean, God's presence, uh, we talk about that Old Testament temple, you know, and that's where it housed the presence of God and the ark and all of those things. But, um, you know, the presence of God is in Joel Olstein with 40,000, and the presence of God is in the little country church out here yep. that's got 15 people. It's the same presence. Right. You know, but people think because of the great building or then however many number of people you have to have for his presence to be there, um, the church building is just not that big of a – I shouldn't say that. I don't want right. to disrespect. <laughs> well, and I, I always share the story of when I lived in Utah, obviously Mormonism, uh, mm-hmm. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and in Ogden they built a brand-new temple during my time there, mm-hmm. and that was a big deal. You know, a new Mormon temple. They build these temples. What they do is they take like two or three weeks to let everyone come in mm-hmm. and visit uh, you know, you can be a Gentile or whatever they refer to right. us non-Mormons, you know, we get mm-hmm. to go in there and see it. And it was interesting, you know, but it was, I always, I, I, my summation was like, this is the most fancy, boring building I've ever been to right. in my entire life. I mean, it was perfectly spotless and clean and very elaborate, but yet very boring right. and lifeless. And maybe that was my take because I'm not right. Mormon. And right. so that's probably just a little bias I brought in there. But, uh, you know, just, they took such such pride, such like mm-hmm. this is the place where the magic happens right. and can happen and really happen. And, uh, you know, I, and I don't, you know, you, they got a different spin and a different take. So for us, we would be like, well, you know, we're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that right. still doesn't compute to them. I mean, they still right. bring such admiration to that building. And if you can get that card, you know, be a good card carrying Mormon to get you in that building. And then mm-hmm. the celestial room that's up there where, I mean, that's really, really where God's presence is. Right. Uh, so very interesting. It's, um, it's almost as if God is impressed by our, you know, he's impressed by wearing our Sunday best. Mm-hmm. You know, and having this elaborate building and everything perfect, and like somehow he would be impressed with that, right? And we know that. I mean, he must laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I do like. I was talking about that the other day, and not to digress too much, but talking about that as I do like how that's changed in our culture today. Mm-hmm. As far as my wife grew up very strict, you did right. Pentecostal at one point, you know, dress and mm-hmm. uh, and now we've kind of swung the pendulum maybe the other way a little bit here and there. You know, it's like right. we don't have to wear suits and ties, and and I don't do that every Sunday. I mean, I tr- try to wear a collared shirt and a jacket typically, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm glad that that has faded a little bit. But right. the biggest thing that we got to be careful in the midst of that. I talking about you know there was the point at that time the holiness was in my opinion it was a good thing it came out of a good pure spirit for 
the originators of that because they wanted to remove themselves from the sin mm-hmm. of the world. And we still have to take that mindset into today right. that there's right. still a sacredness, there's still a holiness to God. And I guess what I'm trying to connect here is that we still need to have that attitude of Solomon, that right. like, Lord, who are we to serve you? And you're so holy mm-hmm. and awesome. And that's what's important in my life, right. not the building, right. uh, but my relationship with you, my holiness with you, my life that pleases you. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Right. There's great honor. And I said we don't have a lot of honor these days for military, for America, for the church or whatever. So anyway, we, we could just yeah. go on and on about <laughs> that all day. But, um, you know, and – and you'd have to think, you know, David's a man after God's own heart. I think Solomon probably had a little almost fear, you know, a reverent fear that, man, if somebody as great as David was not allowed to do this, now I've got to come along and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would think, you know, even as a pastor, when you come into a church, the last pastor was here for 18 years and the one before that was here for 22 years. And, you know, you'd have to think, man, you know, there's. I hate to say something to live up to, but you know, I mean that that's a that's a big thing. That's a yeah. big deal to follow those people. So, uh, for Solomon, that had to be rough. I would think on him too. We just act like Solomon just stepped in there and everything was nice and easy, yeah. and you know there was a lot of work there. But <laughs> but the purpose of the temple was for the name of the Lord my God. That's what he said. You know, it wasn't uh, so you guys can be comfortable, so we can. You don't have a pretty place so that people will be impressed. It was for the name of the Lord my God. You know, when you, uh, and it comes to a time of dedication of the temple. We're not there yet, but uh, when it comes to dedicating a church or whatever, that should be in the, uh, the prayer of dedication for the name of the Lord my God is what this place is for. So, uh, you know, God doesn't live there. Uh, that phrase for the name of the Lord uh, means that it's dedicated to the Lord. That he is the one, it's all about him. It's not about us and, and our comfort. It's about what pleases him. Amen. And again, he's not pleased by, you know, I love what we've done with some lights and things, but God doesn't care. Yeah. You know, God. He's God, a big smoke machine guy. I'm, I'm sure he yeah. is. Hayes machine. <laughs> well, we know. <laughs> he the, was having a great time at No Price Tag, mm-hmm. Rick. You weren't, yeah. but he was. Yeah, well, you know, the, <laughs> I mean, the Holy of Holies was filled with <laughs> right. smoke and they couldn't even see. So, I mean, it's got to be, there's something to it. That was the Holy Ghost juice brand, yeah. too, that you can buy at Amazon. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, puts people in a trance. <laughs> Verse 6, so give orders that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me. My men will work with yours, and I will pay you for your men whatever wages you set. You know that we have no one so skilled in felling timbers as a Sidonian. So he's just making this deal with Hiram about building the temple. And and I, I look up, I'm, you know, you've talked about you're more... Um, I'm more analytical and you're more, um, what's experiential. the word? Experiential. Yep. And I, so I like to look up numbers and things like that, but the cedars of Lebanon talking, and we've heard that many times, you know, in, in the Bible, uh, just as a phrase, but it said they could grow a hundred feet tall, uh, six foot diameter at the trunk, wow. a 50 foot limb span and a lifespan of a thousand years. So, um, and that's almost extinct today. They said that uh, it's a protected species now. Yeah, I was going to say, they still exist today, or mm-hmm. there's still places, right. places. I've been to Northern California, where we have the big old redwoods there. Those mm-hmm. are pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So kind of the same thing. And, mm-hmm. and, and when you really think about it, it's not like, you know, they didn't set up a lumber mill out there in the middle of the forest and cut it all up in the dimensions that, 
you know, it wasn't like calling Lowe's and yeah, Home Depot and right. having it delivered, <laughs> all cut and ready. I mean, these are the logs that they're going to bring uh, right. to him for the building. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing. I mean, I, wouldn't you love to see the, you know, the the picture of that temple being built yep. and what it took to, to put that together? But verse 7, when Hiram heard Solomon's message, he was greatly pleased and said, Praise be to the Lord today, for he has given David a wise son to rule over this uh, great nation. So he gets a uh, the letter, and we talked about this before, that some of these letters have been found. They still exist. And so uh, he's been a friend of David. He's impressed with Solomon's wisdom. He's, uh, he's impressed with Solomon's desire to build the temple. Uh, they've been friends for a long time. And so... Um, I think, you know, I kind of, I, I take a little liberty sometimes with the scripture, but it, it says, praise be to the Lord today, for he has given David a wise son to rule over this great nation. And I think, you know, when you come in as a pastor, and, and I, this is going to sound a little crazy to you, but yeah. uh, but I, I'm, cha- I'm going to change some wording <laughs> here. Okay. Um, if you read that, and I'll read it again, praise be to the Lord today, for he has given David a wise son to rule over this great nation. And I would say, praise be to the Lord, for he has given Grace Point a wise man to, to pastor this great church. You know, you can. <laughs> yes, you thank go. you. There you go. <laughs> and all the crowd said, amen. Yeah. Please, please. <laughs> Not right now. Hold the applause. Throw, just throw money. I feel, I feel like I'm wiser now that I'm 40. I really do. Right. Well, something happens. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but something happens. But, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that, that should be the, the prayer of people is thank God for for sending us someone, you know, mm-hmm. whether, whether you like every little thing and, uh, but if, if we truly believe that God did it, mm-hmm. we ought to praise God for yeah, it and yeah. not be, uh, you know, but we think, well, because I don't like it, I don't think God's the one that, <laughs> you know, God wouldn't send us somebody like that. He must right. be mad at us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we better move on. He's a Saul. He's a Saul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, verse Five, uh, five, eight, and nine. So Hiram sent word to Solomon, I have received the message you sent me and will do all you want in providing the cedar and pine logs. My men will haul them down from Lebanon to the sea, and I will float them in rafts by the sea to the place you specified. There I will separate them, and you can take them away. And you are to grant my wish by providing food for my royal household. Again, quite an amazing feat they take them down to the sea and float them to where right. they need to yeah. be i mean way to transport was amazing man I just, I just can't imagine you know the the task in in doing this you know the scripture says don't grow weary in doing good but i would think in some of these things it's like well you know noah building the ark and the time element right and i guess if you don't if you don't know any different you know for us today because we have nail guns and sawmills and you know, we don't realize that, but you know, even today I get impatient sometimes, you know, I'm building yeah. a house and you're like, man, there should be a faster way of yeah, doing right. this, you know? So uh, if, if they could see it today, I, I mean, I think of even the Carthage courthouse and what it took right. to yeah. put that together without the equipment that we have today, you know? So yeah. I want to go back real quick. Uh, Rick, I think this is a powerful point that I try to preach. And I, I use this when I'm going through, um, Oh, what's the leadership guy who built the wall uh, in the Bible? Why am I spacing his name? Um, <laughs> built the wall in 40 yeah. days. Why are we spacing his name right now? Um, but Nehemiah, excuse yes. me. Okay, there Nehemiah. Okay, yeah. but I, lo- I love, so I think there's a powerful truth here in terms of Hiram, Nehemiah, he was cut bare to the king. Mm-hmm. I think there, I, what I, I truly believe up to this day is that there are significant 
power and having relationships with powerful people. Yes. And so one example I would use in Utah, and this isn't due to me, but due to a friend of mine who really built these relationships is that we had a personal relationship with the eternal attorney general, mm-hmm. Sean Reyes and governor Herbert of Utah. I mean, we met with them personally mm-hmm. throughout the year. Now, do I believe that those relationships were political and partially fake? Yes. That's just my opinion mm-hmm. based on politics and how yeah. all that, that game is played. But very interesting, we had a relationship with him. I mean, I I personally, Governor Herbert, put my hands on him and prayed in tongues over him mm-hmm. and prayed a prayer for him. He was totally cool with it, even mm-hmm. though he's Mormon, right? So we had relationship. We could occasionally say, hey, we need you to do this, et cetera. So one time we would do a worship event at the Capitol every year on the lawn, et cetera, mm-hmm. right in front of the state Capitol, downtown Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And they we would get it for free because we're nonprofit, et cetera. So then they change things. And so one year they're going to, the next year they're going to charge us a bunch of money and they're trying to kind of making mm-hmm. it a hard deal for us. They're kind of altering times, etc. And then because we were friends, right. maybe political friends, but nonetheless, we were friends with governor Herbert. We had the ability to call up him ourselves right. and say, governor Herbert, we want to have our worship night uh, on the lawn. This is when we want to have it and we don't want to pay any money for it. Mm-hmm. And because we had that relationship, Governor Hurt said, I'll make that happen for you. Right, right. You know, the, the power of sometimes it's it's that phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. And that that there's a little bit of truth to that, you know. And so I think as pastors and leaders, uh, for me as a leader in this community, that I need to be cultivating and developing relationships with leadership, with other pastors, right. with people in power, because there just might become a moment when I need some wood. Right. That's that's true. That's (laughs) a very good example. Well, and you know, on a very smaller scale, um, you know, because of relationship with Pastor Perkins, we borrowed their van. Yep, yeah, things like that. He helped us to be blessed by, you know, by using a van. And so, uh, I believe in that relationship thing. I think that's the greatest thing there is right now is that relationship between the pastors. Yeah. And if Dave, if David or David would had cultivated that relationship right. ahead of time, we wouldn't see here. could have been like, Hey, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. forget you, uh, yeah. keep walking. No, find your own trees. But that relationship manifested into the task right. being accomplished. And so I take that into consideration. That's why I think pastors, uh, go on my little tangent here. That's why I think pastors have to consider ourselves community leaders, not really just a pastor, right. but we're a community leader. And we have to be part of my job is I need to be meeting with people. I need to be mm-hmm. having lunch with so-and-so, uh, another pastor, another leader. Um, you know, I need right. to go to community events. I need to be, if it's something at the courthouse relative to me, I need to do that because I'm building relationships that I might need down the road that I don't even realize. Right. I don't even realize today that I need that, but there might come a moment. Let's say we build a building, mm-hmm. right? And because I have ins <laughs> with right. the right people, uh, I can say, Hey, phone call. I need this to happen. Right. And because I've invested and built that relationship and now gives me favor. Right. So Nehemiah had favor with the King. We need favor in our relationships. Right. And Solomon has favor with yep. Hiram. That's my dude. tangent there. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> um, Well, we'll go on. Verse 10 and 11. In this way, Hiram kept Solomon supplied with all the cedar and pine logs he wanted, and Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household, in addition to 20,000 baths of pressed olive oil. Solomon continued to do this for Hiram year after year. So this thing's going on, and I I converted that uh, out. That would be 
12,960,000 pounds of wheat. Wow. <laughs> I mean, per year. I mean, that's a, you know, we don't probably, if there's farmers who were listening to this, that would mean more even than what uh, what it is to us. And the gallons, wow. it's uh, 172,800 gallons of, of oil, and uh, it's the same amount, 172,800 gallons of wine that's mentioned in Chronicles. It's not mentioned here. So uh, there was a, an exchange, and I love, you can tell the relationship between Solomon and Hiram because he says, you send the men, and I'll pay them whatever you want. You know, there's not this, well, now, you know, I'm only going to pay this much money per hour, mm-hmm. per man, uh, you know, trying to see how much you can get. And when it's just like when you're talking about relationship, you're not talking about relationship so that you can so that you'll have somebody to see what you can get from them. Right, right. I mean, I, I understand favor mm-hmm. and relationship <laughs> that may, but you're going to have that relationship whether you ever get anything from them. Yes, that's the yeah. point. Yeah, I was going to say that that is when you know you have a relationship right. with someone when there's now nothing demanded or required between right. the two. Rather. Right. Then, then what transitions is I would give it to you anyway. Right. I would give you whatever because because we have right significant and real relationship. Right. So, uh, so there was a lot of things exchanged between them, but it wasn't about if you don't do this, I won't do this. And you know, I think Hiram probably would have sent things to Solomon, even if he felt like it wasn't you know an even exchange. In other words, uh, just again because of the relationship. Uh, 5.12, the Lord gave Solomon wisdom just as he had promised him. There were peaceful relationships between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty. So uh, there's, I saw someplace when I was studying it, it talks about uh, in Job 28.12, it says, but where can wisdom be found? And the, the wording there, and sometimes, and again, sometimes people make too much of this, but, uh, but the point is good. Uh, the word where is a word that's similar to the word of fasting. And so if you would substitute that word in there, it says it would say, but in faz- fasting, wisdom can be found. Mm. And so, uh, you know, some believe that there was a lot of, uh, you know, fasting that went on. And, and again, that was something more for that. I shouldn't say more for that culture. We all should participate. But I think back then it was just a given that you fasted for certain things, uh, Old Testament and New Testament. Mm. And uh, it's kind of a lost thing that we have, I think, now. Um, and I'm guilty. I have fasted different times, but um, but I don't do it on a regular basis like, you know, like I probably should. But um, and, I, and I had to think these relationships that these guys have and these relationships you're talking about with other pastors and, uh, political people, you know, sometimes things start out well. And so, you know, you get the new pastor, the new king, you know, in the Old Testament, whatever, and everybody's all excited. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the new guy, and we're just so excited to, you know, to see the new come in. Not that we didn't love the old. Yep. You know, I mean, this church loved Brother Henson. This church loved, you know, uh, Pastor Graham. I mean, it's not about wanting something instead of something else yes. it's just an excitement with the new thing that there's great plans and you know and all things begin well i mean usually things are just really going along and then all of a sudden 
you know, reality sets in. This is, well, it's, he's just the pastor now, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit like, well, it's a lot like marriage. If you're not yeah. careful, yep. you know, you're all excited and everything is, you know, you want to spend every second together and that kind of thing. And then reality sets in, well, you know, we're going to be together the rest of our lives. So, yep. uh, you know, we don't need to be together now. And, you know, I, I and, and you have to, you have to try, I mean, you have to yep. work at that. Yeah. I, if you look at the archives of the Grace Point Daily Podcast history, you'll find an episode called How Long Does Love Last? I mm-hmm. actually did one of that. It was around Valentine's Day. Right. And I've read this multiple places, but they say uh, psychologically or scientifically that that in love feeling lasts somewhere around the two year mark, roughly, mm-hmm. because it is a chemical reaction that's right. in our brain that 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 intense feeling i want to talk to you on the phone all night i want to snuggle with you all day long i want to spend every moment with you mm-hmm. i can't get enough of you that that is a chemical uh that's being released in our brain uh and that that tends to last roughly in the two they said two year-ish mark right. not it, it lasts different for every person mm-hmm. but then when that fades that's when uh, you know then christians or other counselors etc they say that's when real love begins because now love becomes a choice, not just a feeling. So now you have to wake up every day when you're not feeling the, Mm -hmm. the vibes, if you will, you know, and you got to make a choice, you know, and okay, I'm going to love you today. Uh, and, and it is, it's so true. So true. I mean, I've been married 20 years now and man, I love my wife and I have days of passion and days of, you know, I joke all the time. I'm, I'm, she would describe it differently, but man, there's some days I want to be back on a beanbag eating Cheetos playing Mario Kart mm-hmm. in 64 or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. stresses of life all gone, <laughs> gone away. But, uh, where am I going with that, Rick? <laughs> I'll bail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just had my two year anniversary, so I guess it's all going to go downhill. Down. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I did not say that intentionally because it was your two year anniversary. I just remember reading that, and, but it's just true. That. Right. Right. Well, and I, and I, I get that to a certain extent, I think, and I think part of it's not even that you lose the passion, but I think maybe in the beginning you almost feel like you're not sure it's it's I don't mean not real love but you almost feel like I don't know if if she's going to stay with me you know or or if he's going to stay with me I think maybe in relationship so so you feel that need to cling you know constantly where once you I hate to say the word relax in your marriage but once you begin to feel more maybe confident that Hey, I am with you for life. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a life commitment here. Uh, so I don't have to feel like, you know, maybe I have to hold their hand every second because I have confidence that they're going to be there. I don't have to hang on, if you would, maybe like yeah. like you do maybe in those those first years. You know, and I still love to hold hands and, yep. uh, you know, those kind of things. I'm not saying that, but, uh, but I have a, a – it's more of a confident – marriage and i guess we're off on marriage here this was not the topic the topic was uh relationship we got to get you and stella in on that talk talk to your anniversary it'd be a great episode there you go there you go well we can do it so uh maybe time for one more i don't know where we're at here yeah let's dive in one more there okay uh 13 through 16 king solomon conscripted laborers from all israel Thirty thousand men he sent them off to lebanon and shifts of 10,000 a month, so that they spent one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the forced labor. Solomon had 70,000 carriers and 80,000 stonecutters 
in the hills as well as 3,300 foremen who supervised the project project and directed the workmen. And it's like I just I wrote after that, wow. I mean, what a <laughs> yeah. you know what a construction company <laughs> that. I mean, nobody in our time, uh, you know, there may be some construction companies right, that are yeah. nationwide or, or whatever, but nobody has that kind of, and, and I can't imagine, it has to be a God thing to be able to manage that kind of construction project, that many uh, men, and it says uh, there was a, um, uh, it was a levy, in other words, it was called a levy, uh, it wasn't forced labor these guys were paid i mean solomon said i'll pay the men uh, whatever you say so i can't imagine the amount of money that had to flow you know to take care of of all these guys and god's god's provision i mean we know david had money and we know solomon's right. got money <laughs> yeah wow but i don't know what kind of i, I guess i sh- as a the analytical analytical guy i should have calculated right. figure all that this. out <laughs> but to pay that many men even even a minimum wage would be a, an, an amazing amount. Maybe we'll figure that up for the next time. But, but it's talking about servants, not, um, not slaves. And that's been a, um, a place of contention, I think, in the church because, you know, we talk about being a slave to Christ or a servant to Christ, and, and the, the wording there makes people think, well, you just do it because you have to, like, like he owns you. So, mm-hmm. You know, but slavery and servanthood, you know, throughout the Bible, and I we're not going to go into each one of these, but I mean, there's a lot spoken about slavery, uh, about servanthood, but it it all started clear back in Exodus, and you know, again, we're not going to read and take off on that uh, rabbit trail on servants and slaves, but what what happened when you would have the servants, then there would be an abuse. You know, someone would say, okay you know, I have this servant in my house, but then you would overdo it, I guess, as, as having a servant. So what would happen scripturally is then they would come back and, and adjust, make adjustments. They would say, uh, that's not, you know, you can't treat your servant like that. And it was, it was a God thing. It wasn't some guy that came along, but the laws changed over time. When God began to see abuses of things, then he began to come back later and so in, in Exodus, in Deuteronomy, there's, there's more, and it becomes more humane in Deuteronomy. In Leviticus, it goes a little further. Um, it, it just keeps making adjustments because of the abuse. And then, of course, in our times with slavery and, and things, you know, it's hard for me to believe that really in my lifetime, I mean, there was a – I know – they talk about Black Lives Matter and all the racism and prejudice and all those things going on now, but it's more of an individual case. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not people feeling like they may mistreat a black person, but there's not ownership. You know, we don't have people saying, well, I own you mm-hmm. and you'll do what I say to do. So, uh, you know, so slavery went the wrong direction. I mean, God kept saying, this is the way to treat your slave. This is the way to treat your servant. And it was all a good thing. Some servants chose to stay. Right, right. Yep. I mean, they were treated well and, and wanted to mm-hmm. live there. They weren't all waiting for the day that they could run away. <laughs> and so uh, so servanthood was was something that, that was 
really placed by God with restrictions on how to treat people. So, um, and and I these shifts that these guys were in this, I can't imagine they've spent a month uh, working and then two months at home. Uh, I worked as a paramedic. You work twenty four on and forty eight off. Same okay. principle, right? Right. But um, and I've heard of people that used to go to Alaska to work on the pipelines and things like that, and they would work those kinds of of schedules. Mm-hmm. But I did divide it up, and it it would be. 45 workers per foreman. So each guy was in charge of 45 guys. Not too bad. Okay. But yep. I still think about that as, you know, as a builder, if I had a building that I was putting up and there was 45 guys that were working, that's quite a task. Yeah. To watch those guys and make sure everything's going the way it should go. And it, it's because they're not, and because they had to be cohesive with all the other people too, right. not just. You know, it just wasn't one project, 45 guys. It was one project, all of those guys having to have unison. Right. The planning to get, it's got to all come together. Right. I have a uh, brother-in-law that's a, um, uh, he owns a business that builds um, refrigerated warehousing. And, you know, they have, he's offered me a job several times. He's like, hey, I got a project coming up and, you know, you could be the project manager for that for me, you know, and it's in Detroit or Something that's like, I'm just not, you know, I could have made pretty good money working for him, and, and I'm sure I probably would have enjoyed it, but it's like, I'm not going to Detroit to spend, you know, six months on this project or whatever. And uh, so, I, but I can't imagine even 45 guys would be tr- quite a task. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so these numbers, just the numbers, if you stop and think about it, and I know some people are like, I don't care about these numbers. and But uh, I, think it, I think it tells us that to tell us what a great, task that this thing was that it's that when god's involved in it nothing's too big yep. god to to be able to direct and give you the right people and and know how to treat those people and all the things that are involved in it it's just it's just a god thing uh if it wasn't important uh, then it's just facts it's not really scripture and sometimes we read the scripture like that like i don't care about this um but it's all it's important or it wouldn't be there you know, for whatever reason. And if if for no other reason, (laughs) generally speaking, than the fact that uh, it's an awesome thing that God can do when when God's in it. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to the Grace Point Daily Podcast, this verse-by-verse edition. Hey, tell someone about the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Share it. Just uh, become a partner. Subscribe to it. Uh, Listen to the other episodes, other content that we have. We really appreciate it. We're now deeply entrenching ourselves here into Season 2. Got some great stuff coming up for you, some more interviews, real-life stories, all kinds of good stuff. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time. 